Right, we are in part four of our sermon series all about the Holy Spirit. And um, we opened by looking at the person of the Spirit, then we talked about being born and baptized. And last week, you may remember, we looked at the idea that you could be sealed in the Spirit and all the different things that that involved. Um, But today we're looking at something slightly different. We're looking at the idea of help, that the Holy Spirit can bring us help of some kind. And uh, I'm going to unpack that a little bit by opening with a story. Um, In July 1977, I was in year four in school. Can you believe that? Year four, 1977. Um, So this was July, so it was was towards the end of the summer term. We had just had sports day at school, and I'd come a spectacular last place in the 100 meters. Uh, let my house down, something chronic, it wasn't great. Um, and the month before that, we'd had a street party because it was the uh, silver jubilee for the queen. So there's quite a few things going on. Um, so we all rock up to church, uh, sorry, we, we all rock up to school uh, on this particular um, you know, morning uh, in uh, July 1977. Just to give you a feel for the culture at the time, in the charts, we had the Sex Pistols, we had the Muppets, and we had ELO. You probably don't know half of those bands, but for some of us of a certain age, uh, you might know what that might mean. So we turn up to school, uh, July 1977, and our teacher, Miss Honey, she was called, drops us an absolute bombshell. Uh, she, She makes this announcement and tells us this news, and we're absolutely devastated to a person, uh, you know, to to a kid uh, in her class. And now before I tell you what she told us that devastated us so much, um, you need to understand that Miss Honey was our favorite teacher ever. She still holds the record in my mind for being the best ever teacher that I've ever had. There was something about her. She was just she was pretty, she was smart, she was intelligent, she was just, you know, she was kind. She looked at, when she looked at you, you felt like you were the center of the universe. Um, she, she helped you so much. Uh, she made you feel special. She had this way of looking at you that kind of it both encouraged you and told you off at the same time. You know how teachers can do that sometimes? She just brought the best out of us in the class. Um, and so we all adored Miss Honey. Um, and it wasn't just the people in year four in my class. Um, the whole school school really, really loved Miss Honey, and they all, all the kids wanted to be in, in year four. Um, you know, girls would cry when Miss Honey praised their homework. They would literally just, oh, oh Miss Honey said I did well, you know, and all this. They would literally cry when Miss Honey said that, that, that uh, they'd done well. Um, children in year three in the playground would ask the children who are lucky enough to be in year four, What's it like in Miss Honey's class? And we would say, it's amazing, like that. And we'd go off all smug because we were in her class and they weren't. Now, you have to understand that that's the context in which she then shared this news that was so utterly devastating. She said, now, boys and girls, I've got some news to share with you today. I'm afraid I'm leaving. I'm leaving to have a baby. And it was like mayhem. It was just all, you know, all these emotions came to the surface. Um, Most of the girls started crying. Can I just say that? A very naughty boy called Kevin, no relation to the Kevin uh, in our worship team, but a very naughty boy called Kevin who liked to come across as really tough and very cool and never looked as though he was affected by anything, almost looked as if he was about to start crying. And he put up his hand and he said, Miss, Miss, what's going to happen to all of us when you go? 
And so she said to him, well, uh, you know, Kevin, you do need to understand and you do remember that at the end of year four, you have a summer holiday. And then what happens after the end of year four? You go into year five, don't you? And actually, I've been saying to you all this time, you were going to get a different teacher then anyway. And then, I remember this to this day, another little boy called Richard, he sobbed and he said this, but you're not going to be here at all. Like that. At which, at which point, a load, of other, a load of other kids started to cry. I mean, she had a, she had a, a management job on her hands that day, Miss Honey. She managed to kind of console us all and encourage us. And she told us to be brave and to be strong. And she promised in the autumn term that she would come back and show us her new baby which she did. So we all went off for our summer holiday. And uh, when we came back in September, she wasn't there, but she came to an assembly. I think it was in late November. And she had this little tot with her. It was a little baby girl. And she was just the sweetest little girl, just really cute. And we were all really pleased to see Miss Honey because she did keep her promise. Now, I remember around about 10 years after this, when I was about 18, 19, something like that. um, I can't remember how this came about, but I bumped into her at a barbecue. Uh, She was there, and I recognized her, and she sort of recognized me. She wasn't quite sure, because obviously I'd grown up from a little boy into into a man by this point. But I went over, and I introduced myself, and I kind of made small talk for a bit and skirted around the big issue. But the big issue was that I'd really wished I'd said something to her the day that she announced that she was going. And I got the chance to say it to her. I managed to tell her uh, this. I said, you do know that all of us in that class absolutely adored you to bits, don't you? You do know that. I just need to tell you this. You know, we just loved you to bits, Miss Honey. Um, and she said, she blushed. And then she said, yeah, I think I, think I remember your class. And uh, you were lovely kids. And thank you very, very much for the kind words. That's the story of Miss Honey. Now, I don't know how you cope yourself when lovely people move out of your life. How do you deal with that? When a really, really lovely person that you know moves on. Maybe they move away. Maybe you move away. Maybe, maybe they are the kind of people who you have to see overseas because you are just separated by geography and you get to see them maybe once a year for a few days, or perhaps once every few years for a few days, and you really wished it wasn't that way because they are just lovely people. They're just lovely. And you would really want for those moments that you have with those people to kind of go on forever and ever. And maybe, there are, maybe some of these people are people who you've lost. Maybe they've died and... You just wish with every fiber of your being that you could have another five minutes with that person. I remember my nan once saying to me, I would give my right arm for the afternoon with with your granddad because she'd lost him. And I said, really, nan? And she said, yeah, I would. I would absolutely do that just to have, have one more afternoon with him. I loved him so, so much. There's something incredibly painful about that moment when you realize that you will, not be able to be, you will not be able to carry on being as close to that person that you love so much in a way that you would really want it to carry on. That's very painful, isn't it? Very hard. There's a sort of tearing feeling on the inside 
isn't there? And, and, and a feeling that we just wish that what is about to happen, which is going to separate us, or perhaps what has just happened when we've just lost them or that they've separated from us, would somehow not happen or not have happened and that we could rewind time somehow or that we could stop time for a while and that that precious connection could continue and continue and continue. That would just be awesome with those people that we really rate, those people that we just adore being around. That would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Well, Jesus is talking to his disciples at the Last Supper, and it is beginning to dawn on them that he is trying to tell them something. It is beginning to dawn on them that he is trying to say, hey guys, I'm really sorry to have to say this to you, but I am going to be moving on. Now he says it in a lot more theological language than that, and you can read that in John 13 to John 17. You, you, you know, those Last Supper discourses are amazing. But they are beginning to feel, his disciples are beginning to feel that feeling, that devastated, oh my goodness, he's beginning to tell us something which is really massive, which is that we may not be with him forever. And it's, it's starting to hurt them in here. They're feeling it in their spirit. They're feeling it in their emotions. And just as they're feeling that though, Jesus, kind as he is, right at the moment that they're having that feeling and uh, they're very concerned and they're worried about where it's going to go, he makes them an incredible promise. He makes an incredible promise. And the promise is found in John 14, verse 16. It says this. Jesus says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, we're going to understand in just a minute that the counselor means the Holy Spirit. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about what that means in, in just a moment. But he's basically promising them another person, another person to be with them. And so in part four of our Holy Spirit series, we are looking today at something called help, the idea of help. And we're going to take a look at the way, what I think is the main way in which the Holy Spirit helps us. Um, do feel free to follow along with today's message in our YouVersion app. Again, you can point your camera to that, and it should take you to the YouVersion event for today. And it's got the, the, the scriptures and the headings and the bits and pieces that you might need. And you can add notes into that and keep those notes for future if you want to. Um, if for some reason your phone doesn't work on QR codes, you're going to need an app from the App Store called the, a QR code scanner. You need to put that in, and then it should work fine. Now, when I came to surveying all the different ways that the Holy Spirit helps, to be honest, it was really awkward because there's just so, so many ways that he helps. If you think about it, we're looking at effectively pretty much all the content of this series over the seven weeks in this one sermon and loads more because I'm only skating on the surface, really. The Spirit does loads and loads of stuff. So I found myself somewhat challenged and presented with an embarrassment of riches because um, there's just so much there. Uh, there's loads that the Spirit does. Um, he makes us into a brand new creation on the inside. The moment we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit can fill us up with power for ministry and for building the kingdom of God when we ask him to fill us up. He seals us at the point we get saved 
Um, and that has all sorts of wonderful implications, which we unpacked a little bit last weekend, you may remember. Next Sunday, we have a special guest joining us all the way from Elam, the Elam movement in New Zealand. He's their general superintendent. Just so you understand how the structure of Elam works, you get people like me at a ministry level, and then you get regional superintendents that are a bit like bishops in the, in the Church of England, and they kind of oversee lots of churches. And then you have something called the general superintendent, who is the person who oversees all the bishops. That's the structure. Um, I call the general superintendent Elam like the Pope of Elam, and I probably shouldn't, but you know, that's how it seems to be. It's a very high-level thing. So we've effectively got like the Pope of Elam in New Zealand coming next weekend here to BCC. He's a guy called Boyd, Boyd Ratnaraja. Some of you have heard him speak before. He's an awesome guy, just great, great value for money, fantastic minister, uh, very, very winsome is Boyd. Uh, hands up here if you've seen Boyd speak before. Just give us a quick wave, yeah. But Boyd is known to quite a few us. He's a lovely guy. He's coming next Sunday, uh, and he is going to be st- talking to us about how the Holy Spirit helps us with spiritual gifts. Did you know that the Holy Spirit can plonk a special ability inside you that other people don't have necessarily, that then helps you build the church in very cool ways? I got saved as a result of somebody exercising the spiritual gift of the prophetic in my life on an Alpha course. They said something that I realized, made me realize rather that God existed. I suddenly thought, there's no way that God can't, you know, this doesn't work unless God's told you that. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is real. This faith, this Christian faith is real. That was because of a spiritual gift. And the week after that, we're looking at how the Spirit helps us grow with spiritual fruit in our lives over time as we follow Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 23, the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit gives you as you follow Jesus over the long haul, and he helps you get there. So the Spirit helps us with masses and masses of stuff. And so as I'm, you can imagine me in my study on Monday, Tuesday, earlier this week, going, well, okay, we're going to preach on how the Spirit helps us. Like... We have far too much to cover here. How are we going to bring this into some kind of sensible order? What are we going to focus on? So what I thought I would do is I would consolidate the focus down to the bit where Jesus talks about the promise of the Spirit. And I concentrate on really just that one verse, John 14, 16, because it says a lot. It really does. Let me take you through that verse again. It says says this, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Let me just have a look at that. Let's let's go through that uh, together. That promise is made at the point where the disciples are feeling like they're about to lose their favorite teacher. He's making this promise to them to say, now listen, I've got to go, but I'm not going to leave you stranded. I'm going to send somebody else who's going to come alongside and help out. Uh, The helper, the advocate, or the counselor, as some of the different translations say. So here's the sequence. Jesus is going to go and make a request of Father God in prayer upon the disciples' behalf. I'm going to go and ask, he says. Then he says... um, The Father is going to listen and act because of my special prayer request. Um, Then there's going to be a gift made by the Father from the Father to us. And he will give you. And then this gift is something called another counselor. Have you ever looked at that and thought, another? 
What does he mean by another? Are there two counselors? Well, yes, there are. What he's saying is he's going to give you somebody who is like Jesus. In other words, he's going to be so similar to Jesus that you could call him another. Um, Don't miss the significance of another. This is saying that the quality of this counselor that is going to be supplied is as high quality as Jesus himself. And that's a big promise. It's also saying, uh, you may miss me when I have to leave you, but there is another one like me who is coming in my place. You know, this would be like Miss Honey saying, well, um, you know, even though you're all going to go up to year five next year and, and I'm leaving the school, you are going to have a great teacher who is going to take you forward to the next level. Although I don't remember the next teacher. That's a bit awkward, isn't it? I remember Miss Honey. She was, she was fab. Um, but she, was, she would try and promise us and say to us, hey, things are going to be okay because I'm going to send another person. And in fact, John uh, makes the point, John 14, verse 18, a couple of verses later, he says that he reports that Jesus says this, I will not leave you as orphans. You can imagine this spiritual leader of Jesus. He's got these disciples. He says he's going to go. They are then worried that they're going to be left as orphans. And he then says, no, that's not going to happen because this helper is coming, this counselor. We're not going to be left to manage on our own um, with, with, without anybody. Uh, uh, sorry, we're not going to be left to manage on our own with, with just anybody. We're going to get somebody with the quality of Jesus himself. Now, one of the limitations that Jesus voluntarily chose in becoming a human being was that he had to kind of fit into a finite human body and be in one place at one time. Now, he could whiz around. It seems to me, did you spot like in Luke 24? I don't know if you've ever read Luke 24. He suddenly appears, doesn't he, through a locked door. So I'm thinking maybe Jesus can do some pretty cool stuff and getting around the place pretty quickly. But nevertheless, he is still constrained by having one physical body and has to therefore be in one place at one time. Now, the Holy Spirit is able to overcome that. The Holy Spirit has no such limitations. Uh, The counselor is not constrained by that limitation in any way. In fact, if you think this through, the counselor has the capacity to be with every single person on the planet at once, should they choose to follow Jesus, which is pretty cool if you just took that on a science fiction level. And it's not fiction, it's true. Imagine that. One of the people of God is able to jump on board in who you are and be alongside you permanently should you choose Jesus at any time, anywhere around the world, at any point in history. That's pretty crazy. Let's also just quickly have a look at the word counselor. Uh, you know, I've mentioned this before. Some translations have the word advocate or helper. Um, in the Greek, the word is parakletos, which means being called alongside. They're called alongside one or he who is called beside Think for a moment about those times when it was really great that you had someone alongside you. Just think for a moment. Think, for those, think of those moments where you had devastating news or you got a bad exam result or you found out that someone was really sick or you found out that maybe somebody in your family had lost some money or there was some kind of setback. And the concept of having a person alongside you in those moments is powerful, isn't it? You wouldn't want to try and navigate those by yourself. And sometimes those moments where we're trying to sort of navigate difficult things and we don't have someone alongside us, it can be acutely painful. Or equally, how about those times when you're alongside somebody and it's been a success moment? You know, you've passed that exam that gets you into that job that you've been working hard for for three years. Or you, uh, you, you hear about a promotion at work and you get it. 
Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I got offered the opportunity to lead BCC, I was just over the moon. I was like, oh my goodness. Where did that come from, Lord? You know, I didn't kind of press for it and it just appeared. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And yet, I'm so glad that that moment happened with all of you in the room. That was great. And so glad that Chloe was alongside me in that. So sometimes the value of having somebody alongside you is huge. It's so powerful. And God understands that. He understands that the moments of our lives that are so important to us are greatly enriched and strengthened by our family and our friends and our church, knowing that those are big moments alongside us and being with us in them. I never forget the story of the, the, the very kind of proud, strong, sort of almost defiant lady who said to her pastor after her husband passed away, Pastor, you don't need to come around. I'm going to power through this. I'm good. And, and she said that, you know, when the funeral's done, I'm moving on. And, and I, she, she loved her husband to bits. This wasn't a, an unromantic thing. This was just like, I, I need to, to, to make steps forward in my life. And he went, okay, I, I hear you. I won't come around. And he didn't, but he did go around in a way, because what he did was, each Friday evening for quite a few months, I think it was about three months, he went and parked in her street in, 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 his, in his car, and he just waited for an hour. I think it was something like seven till eight in the evening. This is a story from, I heard from a pastor friend of mine in the States. And he just waited in the street. And he just waited for an hour, and he did some emails and phone calls on his phone, and he, and he prayed for her, and he prayed for some other things, but he just waited. And he went and did that routine for this whole period of time. And then one time, she, she was doing well, this lady, and then it just hit her like a ton of bricks, what had happened. I think she found something of his that she thought that she'd got sorted, and she, she didn't realize it was still in the house, and it made her break down, and she was really upset. And she was pacing up and down in the, in the, in the front room, and, and she kind of looked across the street, and she happened to see his car there. And at that moment, she knew, oh, I'm not on my own. Now, she didn't call him in. You know, it would be lovely to say, oh, they, you know, she called the pastor in. They had a cup of tea and, you know, but she didn't actually. But she knew in her heart she was not on her own. And that's powerful. That's very powerful for us to remember. We are not on our own and God knows that. And that's why he sends us the spirit to be alongside us so that we never forget that we're not by ourselves. We are not having to navigate this life on our own. The word parakletos comes from two Greek words, para and kaleo, which para means beside and kaleo means call, uh, literally call. And in fact, the, 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 the spelling of the kaleo in the Greek leads straight into the English word call. And it means to be called alongside. So the spirit is one who is promised as a gift by Jesus from the Father and is called alongside you and I. It's as though he comes and sits on the seat next to Kevin. And he just sits there. And he's alongside Kevin. And alongside all of us all the time. And what's quite interesting is the Greek word for church is a similar double-barreled word. It's ek, which means out or call, out of. And kaleo, again, called out. And so this wonderful kind of thing goes on where the Holy Spirit is the called beside one who does this one-to-one -one journey with us. But he also enables us to be called out ones as church altogether. So the called beside person, in other words, the Holy Spirit, helps us to be a called out people, the church. 
The last bit of John 14, 16 promises us that the counselor will be with us forever. And the implications and the truth of that are large. They're big. This person who is a gift from God, who is on the same level of quality as Jesus himself, but is not limited by being in one body, is sent to be with us all the time, day and night. All the time. And Jesus reassures the disciples that they will know this counselor very closely indeed. He says in verse 17, John 14, 17, the very next verse, and you do know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. Just imagine for a moment these Jewish lads, they're monotheistic, um, they're um, uh, you know, single God guys, and they, they're a small group of them, and they are beginning to realize that they are genuinely found the Son of God the Messiah, the anointed one, and they've started to follow him. That is a massive head disruption all in its own right. And they're beginning to get to grips with that when suddenly he says, hey, listen, I think I'm going to need to go away, but I'm going to send someone else, another person to be with you who is on the same level of quality as me. That's massive. For hundreds, of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jewish nation had believed in one God. And then suddenly there was this Jesus who was claiming to be the son of the father and that was a big deal and then he's claiming within three years at this last supper oh and by the way i'm going to send a third person and you're thinking what number three when is this going to end that's a really really big concept for them i will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever What we're saying today, and what I'd like to kind of get across to us today, is that I think the greatest help that the Holy Spirit can be to us is not so much what he can do through us, which is awesome, of course, and not even so much what he can do for us as much as that delights him, which it does. It's that he keeps us company. The greatest help that the Holy Spirit can give us is his company. It's the fact that he's alongside us. There's so much that he does. There's so many things that he can, he's able to do for us. But the, the, the most important thing, if we stripped it all back, is that he walks alongside us and he's inside us and he's with us all the time. We have his company all the time. And that's so, so special. Let me uh, share a story with you from a, a multi-Oscar winning film which came out in 2013. It's the film Gravity and it stars uh, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. And Sandra Bullock uh, plays uh, the part of a lady called Dr. Ryan Stone. And uh, uh, George Clooney plays the part of a guy called Matt Kowalski. And what they are is they're two astronauts who go up into space and they're going to do some servicing on the Hubble telescope. All right? Uh, And so they're, they're all up in space and the film opens with them servicing the telescope and Dr. Stone is on her first spacewalk and she's putting software updates into the, te- the telescope and all the rest of it. And it's all really beautifully filmed. I mean, you just totally think that you're miles up in space. It's just amazing. Breathtaking cinematography, it really is. And then they get a message through from Houston Space Control saying, you need to abandon this mission ASAP because there's some space debris coming around in orbit from an exploded satellite. And it's, it's Mayday, basically. And so they scramble back to, uh, they try and get themselves back into the space shuttle. They try and shut its doors. They try and disconnect from all the work that they're doing. They don't do it quick enough. And this debris comes racing around and it wipes most of them out. Most of them are killed in this horrible space accident. 
Um, and the lady, uh, played by Sandra Bullock, uh, Dr. Stone, and uh, the, the guy parts, played by George Clooney, Matt Kowalski, they're the only two left alive. Uh, what's so distressing and so difficult uh, for the lady is she's then spinning off into space. And there's a whole sequence of about, I guess it's about five minutes long in the cinema, where basically the light from the sun just goes over and over her visor because she's spinning round and round and round, and she's lost. Anyway, George Clooney gets one of these mobile kind of packs which has got uh, thrusters on it, and he kind of goes after her, and he fetches her back, manages to catch her, and then they, they get back to um, the, the shuttle, and they're looking at the Hubble telescope, and they realize that it's a disaster. And they talk to each other, and they say, right, we are going to have to get back to the International Space Station. That's 900 miles away, round in orbit. We'll get there in about 80-odd minutes. They've got 90 minutes to go, because up there, it's 90 minutes round every time you do an orbit. And this debris is going to come around and get us again. And so they get the thrusters, and they go on this journey to the International Space Station on the basis that maybe, just maybe... They could get a capsule out of there. One of the, they've, but there's two escape capsules on the International Space Station, and hopefully they can get on board one, disconnect, and go on the trajectory down to Earth. That's the plan. Now, they then, they then go on this journey, and it's, it's going pretty fast, and they, the way it's filmed, it's quite good, actually, because you, realize, you don't realize how far away they are, and then they start to get closer and closer to the International Space Station, and then you realize, oh, my goodness, they're traveling at a heck of a rate, and they go bashing into one of the solar panels, and then there is cords being ripped, and there's a, a, parachute, um, a parachute that has broken off uh, on the International Space Station where one of the escape pods hasn't, um, is broken effectively and it's got its cords uh, dangling in space. The other one's um, been used by the Russians who've left the, the International Space Station already. And, and George Clooney, the, the, his actor, you know, his, the guy who he's playing, he, he gets caught in some ropes and, and basically realizes that he's going to go. He's going to lose his life. And he comes to that realization before she does and they have this, there's this very painful moment in the film where they're looking at each other through their visors and he just says, he just goes, no, this isn't going to work. If I try and stay connected to you, you're going to die as well. And he, she doesn't want him to, but she, he disconnects from her and he floats off into space and, and you know that he's gone to his death. And so she's left all by herself, all alone. And she has to make the journey uh, to uh, the, the International Space Station is no use, so she has to decide what am I going to do, and so she, she works out that the next space station round is one that was sent up by the Chinese. Um, I looked at the name of it, actually. It's, uh, what's it called? Uh, Tiangong Station. And so she sets off on this journey, but she is incredibly demoralized by this point, um, and the oxygen is running low in the capsule she's in, and she starts to think to herself that, well, am I really going to make it? I'm not sure. I, th I think there's a, only a very, very slim chance that I'm going to make this. And so she has this moment in the film where she decides, do you know what, I think I'm actually going to decide this rather than it being decided for me. And she switches off the oxygen in, in her capsule. And you know that she's going to die. And then something really strange happens, really, really odd. It's kind of spiritual and kind of weird, and it's the reason why I thought of this story for today. Basically, she has a hallucination that her colleague played by George Clooney, is back. And he's in the capsule with her. And in her bleary, foggy state, 
he's kind of talking to her and saying, you need to do this, you need to do this. And he's pointing to some things and she's kind of really kind of not quite altogether there because the oxygen has depleted. But she suddenly realizes that what he's saying makes sense. It's a solution to the problem that she has. And so she, take, she suddenly snaps into life, she suddenly snaps into action and she takes the steps that um, he's saying to her uh, and then the next camera shot, you, it pans around and he's not there. It's just been a figment of her imagination. It has been a hallucination, but she somehow had some help from the outside. And she gets to the Chinese space station. She manages to dock and find the... They have an escape capsule, and she leaves in just the nick of time before all this debris comes around again and wipes out this space station as well. I mean, it's on the edge of your seat, filming and story and everything. Can't recommend it highly enough. It won several Oscars. It's a great film. She then lands on Earth... And she crawls out of the capsule. She is so glad to be alive. You know, she's like there just caressing the mud on this beach and just really, really pleased to be back on Earth. The reason I share the story is because it illustrates a great truth that I think is the truth that the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and gives us company in all situations. Now, we're not a church that believes in the dead speaking from, the, from beyond the grave. So I'd say that where gravity suggests that, we wouldn't believe that. Although there is an episode in the Bible where Samuel is summoned back from the dead. But that's frowned on very, very much by God and is certainly not something that we practice here. Um, that's not orthodox Christianity to do that. But nevertheless, there is something quite spiritual about the idea of accessing some kind of intelligence in our darkest hour that can speak to our situation and help us turn it around. And I quite like the concept that this presented in the film because it's a picture of when you are in your lowest moment, when you're in your darkest space, when you are in that really, really, really hard place of your life, there is a person alongside you called the Holy Spirit who is going to say what you need to, to be told. And he's going to speak to you and he's going to encourage you and he's going to pull you out of your dark, your dark place. Do you remember Jonah? And Jonah got, gets thrown overboard and he sinks down to, it says, I sank down to the roots of the mountains. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. There was a guy who'd run so far from God that he didn't know what was going to happen next. And he was basically a goner. And then it says, but I looked up to your temple and I praised you from that place. That was the work of the Spirit in Jonah, even though it doesn't say it in the text. I know that that was the Holy Spirit doing that with Jonah. And the story from gravity is so powerful because it says something very, very important to all of us, that no matter how bad things get, no matter how to the end of ourselves we get, we have a companion alongside us. We have a person sent to us, a counselor, an advocate, a helper. He is there with us on the inside all the time. All the time. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No, no, not ever. It says it five times in the Greek. In Greek, when you say no lots of times, they don't cancel each other out. They stack up. They get more no. Not, you know, like how we do. It's, you, know, you know what I'm saying in English. We, it cancels each other out. It doesn't do that in Greek. It just gets more and more emphatic. The Holy Spirit is not a hallucination. 
He's real. He's given to us as a gift from God from the minute that we accept Jesus. He keeps us company. He guides us into all truth. Um, His presence in us essentially amounts to Jesus' own presence because he is another counselor. He is of the same order and category as Jesus himself, except he's not bound by a human body. He can be everywhere at once. He testifies about Jesus and he leads us into all truth and he teaches us what Jesus has has told us. We we do have a continual company from the beyond the normal realm of human. uh, Sorry, we do have spiritual company from beyond the normal realm of human company, and he is called the Holy Spirit. And he will always be in us and always with us from the minute that you say yes to Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come and join us. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. I'm going to ask us all to stand. And I'm just going to suggest a really simple response today. A really simple response. As I was praying about how should we respond to this message of having this eternal company from one of the members of God, the Holy Spirit, I felt the the Holy Spirit literally say, why don't you encourage people to say hi to me? (laughs) Which is kind of a bit crazy, isn't it, really? Because we've had quite a, I think, quite a powerful and deep message about how he's there with us on, on the inside. But you know what? We don't talk to him enough. And so I've got a prayer. And the prayer, I'm going to say this prayer, and then we're all going to pray it together. The prayer goes like this. Hello, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in my life. Please guide me into all truth today. Thank you for being with me always. Amen. That's what the prayer is. It's just a real simple prayer. But you know how we talk to Jesus a lot, and we kind of talk to our Heavenly Father a lot because of the Lord's Prayer? I want to encourage us all today to kind of take on board the idea that we can talk to the Spirit too. He is a person and he lives on the inside of us. So would you pray with me? I'm going to say a few words and then I'm going to get you to say them as well. Hello, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in my life. Please guide me into all truth today. Thank you for being with me always. Amen. Kevin and the team are going to lead us in some worship. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, team.